What does it mean to be born again and why is it important? When Jesus Christ came on the scene, he came proclaiming, publicizing the good news about God's coming kingdom. And one of the things that he said was needed to be included in this kingdom was the need to be born again or reborn. But if you were to ask religious leaders today what it means to be born again, they would probably give you various ideas as there are numerous Christian denominations. And many of the answers unfortunately stem more so from a traditional standpoint and answer more so than what Jesus himself says. So what we have been told so far in regards to if you were to ask around or you can even look on YouTube is that you must be born again and people will say, well, this is what you got to do. You just got to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, um, say this sinner's prayer, as they say. But then the question is, is that what God actually said? Is that what Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and for me, is that what he said it takes to be reborn or born again into God's family? So as I said, you can look up on YouTube, you can look up various uh, channels, various videos, and you can do the research yourself in regards to seeing what various people say. But what Jesus said is what is most important. And we get this conversation about the need to be born again when he is actually talking to a religious leader of his time and his this religious leader is wanting to meet with Jesus because of all the miracles and all the things that Jesus Christ is doing. And Jesus gets straight to the point of the straight to the heart of this meeting of wanting to understand what it takes to be part of God's coming kingdom. And so this is the conversation. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a religious leader. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus himself says, unless we are born again, we cannot see the kingdom of God. We cannot, that word in the Greek, and I use Spiro Zodiades, uh, Greek word study of the New Testament, if you want a reference of where I get um, my definitions from. But that word for see means to perceive and to understand. So Jesus himself says that we can't perceive and we can't even understand the kingdom of God, its principles and ways, unless we are born again. So if you want to understand God and you want to understand his ways as much as he will reveal them to you, I encourage you that at the end of this video, if God so pulls on your heart and draws you unto him, that you connect with me through social media or through this YouTube channel, and we will take the steps needed in order to get you in that process. So that way you can understand God's kingdom, his ways and principles. And so Nicodemus, he continues on and he has a very valid question for Jesus. It says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
So just right there, Jesus himself says that we have to be born of water and the spirit and to enter the kingdom of God. Once again, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about for you, but to be born of water and of the spirit sounds totally different to me than having somebody just say some prayer. And so Jesus continues on and he kind of elaborates a bit. And he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what he is saying here is when we are born into our human families, we are simply human. No real supernatural divine connection as there needs to be. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of humanity is humanity. And that which is born of the supernatural is supernatural. And he says, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but you cannot tell but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes so is everyone who is born of the spirit and so one of the things jesus says here is that when you hear the wind you hear the sound of it and that sound that word for sound yet again going to uh, Mr. Zodiades uh, Greek word study he says that the word for sound is phone if I'm pronouncing that right but he says it's phone and it's the same word for phone the same word for voice it means to have a voice to utter to to speak and to express to have a sound and so Jesus himself says that everyone who is born of the spirit he says the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound or the voice of it but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes and then this last statement says so is everyone who is born of the spirit so everyone who is born of the spirit produces a sound when they are born of the spirit so the question then becomes what is this water and what is this spirit now we're going to kind of flip these as we research them real quick and we're going to see exactly what the water and the spirit are or here and the way we're going to study it is what the spirit and the water are because god always gives clear he gives clarity there. He, he doesn't leave mysteries. And if he leaves a mystery, he's going to reveal it at some point in time. And if it's not revealed now, based on what we have in his word, his written word, the Holy Bible, then he will reveal it when he actually comes and establishes his kingdom on this earth. So in talking about the spirit, we are going to go a little bit farther in John's gospel in chapter seven. And in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, Jesus is teaching in the holy temple. And this is what he says. It says, on that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or for King James readers, out of his belly, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified and so we see that jesus says if we thirst if there's something in us that desires more than what this world is offering us what society and culture is offering us he says come to him 
and he will quench our thirst by giving us the spirit if we believe on him as the scriptures say as the writings say when we look at any topic any any authoritative topic or any any whether it's medical whether it's historical we always go to the writings of individuals if we want to understand a culture from years gone by from millennia uh, hundreds of years thousands of years we go to the writings of those periods and based on how archaeology and history has set up parameters on what is true uh, good history reliable history and what is not we go to these sources that they deem as reliable and so the bible is reliable we'll get into that on another video but the bible is reliable and the bible is what god has revealed to us as he has set apart people that's what it means to be holy he's set apart people that have presented his message faithfully that were dedicated to him to the best of their ability according to what he said it takes to be dedicated to him and so jesus says if we will believe on him as the scripture has said out of his heart that's ginger neutral as they say but out of his heart will flow rivers of living water but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified so we see that jesus says that the spirit when we, he's talking about being born again of the spirit is talking about being born of the holy spirit having this new birth experience and encounter with the spirit of god the holy spirit is a another title for a role that the god of all creation and specifically the god of israel the holy spirit is a title that represents uh, a way in which he interacts with us versus unclean spirits and uh, demonic spirits he is the set apart spirit the holy spirit he is set apart from each and every other spirit that there is even angels that he created that stayed faithful to him are not on the same level as him as he is the creator and they are the created so we see that to be born of the spirit or at least in part so far we see that the spirit is referencing the spirit of god or the holy spirit as jesus starts to talk about the water we find uh, a passage where it is a very gut-wrenching passage now in all honesty some people discount this passage and so if that's you and you don't take this portion of scripture that is uh that i'm about to bring up i actually got another one for you so let's jump into this in mark chapter 16 verses 15 and 16 and talking about the water it says and he said talking about jesus after he resurrected from the dead or was raised from the dead and he said to them go into all the world and proclaim publicize preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and so jesus here in this passage says that he who believes and is baptized baptized that word once again coming from the that greek word study from dr zodiades it means to immerse and the word was actually used when uh, people would dye clothes back in those times it was a word used to immerse clothes in the dye in the color of the dye that you wanted to change the the cloth to so we must be immersed anyone who is immersed who believes as and is immersed baptized 
will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And so he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Why would we be condemned if we don't believe and are baptized? Well, if we don't believe, we're not going to be baptized anyway. And if we are baptized for the sake of it, our faith is not present and our faith is actually what allows God to work in our lives the way in which he desires to. You can block him or you can allow him. Your faith, your trust, your persuasion in God is what allows him to work in your life. But your lack of faith is what stops him. And then he has to kind of work around you. He has to find workarounds and you won't fulfill your purpose. You um, you won't find I mean, maybe you find life fulfilling and whatever you're doing. But there is a much deeper level of satisfaction and fulfillment if we will do things, uh, if we will follow God's plan for our lives, his purpose for which he created you and me. And so, as I said, if you did not, uh, if that was a scripture that you don't necessarily subscribe to or you, you don't count as valid, I got another one for you. In Mark chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, or behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the world in King James English, but the end of the age. And so Jesus says that they are to go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So Jesus said we must be born again of what two things? Of water and spirit. Jesus said the spirit is the Holy Spirit and that water is baptism. And so when we look at what Jesus taught and he said to be born again, he said we must be born again of water and spirit. And he broke these down in various places as we just read that the spirit is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost for King James readers and, bat and water is baptism. And when we see the church come into existence in the book of Acts, we get to see exactly how they put this into play because how they put this into play and what the first disciples experience is of the utmost importance because we are to follow their example because if Jesus's disciples and Jesus's apostles, his direct ambassadors were here on earth today, they would be doing the same exact thing. There would be no changes and anybody who is outside of their parameters that Jesus taught them would not be included in what was the church. Although, of course, they would seek to reconcile everybody and get them in the church that Jesus, through his apostles, through his ambassadors, established. And so in the book of Acts, before Jesus is raised into heaven, as he after he has been raised from the dead, uh, we find that Jesus gives some parting words and some reminder, some reminder instructions. And this is Luke writing and he is writing. Uh, he wrote the gospel of Luke um, and this is second account called the Acts or the Acts of the Apostles, sometimes called the Acts of the Holy Spirit in older manuscripts. And so this is his account of what happened after Jesus resurrected and what was about to happen uh, after his resurrection or his raising into heaven. It says, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day which he was taken up. 
after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so did you see it? He did it again. Water and spirit. Actually, yeah, water and spirit. He said, John baptized, talking about his cousin, John the Baptist or John the baptizer. John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so yet again, right before Jesus ascends and is raised into heaven, he talks about the same exact thing, water and spirit. And so when the church is birthed, as we say in Acts chapter two, and Peter, Jesus's kind of chief apostle ambassador, as he is explaining to a crowd um, of worshipers he's explaining what has happened because they have begun to uh, receive the holy spirit and there was this miraculous sign there was 120 of them and the crowd wants to know what happens and when he gives them the response we see exactly what in practice for the church for jesus's church the church that his disciples helped build as we say um we get to see exactly what being uh, being born of the water and spirit looks like it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come which was a biblical holiday that God instituted they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see that when the this day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50, and it's 50 days, uh, it follows 50 days after the Feast of Passover. We see that this supernatural experience takes place and we see that when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in verse four, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance or gave them the ability to speak. So when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the supernatural presence of God enabled them to speak in other languages. And as you continue to read down in that passage, you see that they were understandable languages because there were people from all different nations of the earth. And it lists those nations uh, in that passage as you continue to read. And the crowd wanted to know what is going on. We can understand what they're saying. They're worshiping God in the languages we were born in. These people are locals. They don't speak our language. So how can we hear them in the languages we were born in? So we might say, well, I'm predominantly an English speaker, but if there was somebody from China who only predominantly knew Chinese and 
I went over there or perhaps I saw they knew it was Chinese and I went over there for a church service and they began to speak in other tongues or other languages and they began to speak in perfect English. I was like, man, that person knows really good English. And you know, you said they're a native and whoever the pastor is might be like, oh, well, they're speaking in tongues as the spirit of God gives them the ability to speak. And so as the crowd is asking Peter exactly what is going on, he tells them how this happened in response to them crucifying Jesus, who was the Messiah, this promised king who would be the person to change the world. And when Peter presents all the evidence that Jesus was this promised Messiah and King, it says that they were pricked to the heart. They were cut to the heart. They were they were they were grieved in their heart. And then it goes on to say that they asked men and brethren what shall we do it says now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles so what we see is that it says to peter and the rest of the apostles so it's not just peter answering by himself it says he has the other 11 apostles the apostles are jesus's uh direct disciples that you read about that he is training and grooming throughout the gospels to take his place as he ascends or is raised into heaven and he begins to inhabit them through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he begins to lead them and guide them that way instead of having his physical bodily presence here on the earth. And so it says, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, there is one important thing that I did forget to mention and I didn't include in the slides, but in the Gospel of Luke chapter 13, there is one more thing that Jesus emphasized, and I would encourage you to go and read it in the first five verses where there's some Galileans, some worshipers, and they're asking Jesus about a situation where some people went into the holy temple of God. They presented their sacrifices and the Roman governor came and killed them and mixed their blood with the blood of their sacrifices. And so the people asked Jesus, were they just such horrible people because they died that way? And Jesus turns around and he says, no, they weren't horrible. It's not that they were horrible by any means, but he said, what matters is that unless you turn to God or what we call repentance, unless you turn to God with all your desire, with all your focus, this is what we call repentance, forsaking each and everything that God requires of us. And this is a process much of the time, but the stuff at the forefront of our minds that we know to give up, the things we need to give up, the things we need to forsake. He says, unless you repent, unless you turn from those things, unless you forsake them, then we shall all likewise perish. And that includes myself. And that's repentance is a daily, it's a part of my lifestyle, acknowledging prayerfully, allowing the Lord to help me to see what needs to be removed from my life and seeing what I need to put in its place. Um, what godly characteristics and traits need to be put in place of ungodly characteristics and traits. But in, in that passage, Luke 13, one through five, Jesus says, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And so when Peter gets to his response, when the people ask him, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is Peter's response, as well as with the other 11 apostles. It says, then Peter said to them, repent, turn, and let every one of you be 
baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the forgiving of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who were gladly who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3000 souls were added to them. And so we see that Peter himself, when when he was asked what they needed to do, he says, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiving of sins. So water and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. And so we see that Peter himself, he him and the other 11 apostles, they repeat exactly what Jesus said, not verbatim, but in the substance of what Jesus talked about in the end of Luke's gospel. He says that repentance and remission of sin, the forgiving of sin will be preached in the Messiah's name, in the Christ name. Christ and Messiah are synonymous terms. They just come from two different languages. Uh, Messiah comes from the Hebrew, Mashiach, and Christ comes from the Greek, Christos. He says, yet again, he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the forgiving of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the question I pose to you is, is that a sinner's prayer? Because that does not at all sound like a sinner's prayer to me. So you can go to your local religious Christian leader, see what they say about it. But at the end of the day, what Jesus says and what his disciples say are what we're going to be measured by. And I'll give you one more example as the church was being expanded as Jesus was expanding the church beyond the borders of or beyond the boundaries of just having Jewish believers uh, relegating it to one ethnicity because of the believers themselves were relegating it to one ethnicity. Jesus was expanding his church, expanding his kingdom, his his governance to other nations, to other ethnicities, to other culture groups. And Jesus tells Peter to go connect with a man named Cornelius and God sends Cornelius an angel to connect with Peter in order to connect the dots and when Peter gets to Cornelius's house who was a Roman uh, soldier it says that Peter begins to proclaim Jesus's message to Cornelius and his family and when they when he gets to the end of his message or as he is still speaking it says it says while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision talking about the Jewish believers and all those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So we see that the Gentiles, those who were non-Jewish, they received the Holy Spirit the same way the the Jewish believers did. And this, as we're going to about to see, this was the sign that Peter needed to know they had been filled with the Holy Spirit the same way they did. 
then it says then peter answered can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the holy spirit just as we have and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the lord then they asked him to stay a few days and so we see that jesus said in order to be born again we have to be born again of water and spirit that the spirit is the holy spirit in john chapter 7 verses 37 through 39 and baptism is the means of water and so when the church comes into being we see that peter tells people that they need to repent from their sins and that they needed to be baptized in jesus's name for the forgiving of their sins and that they would receive the promise of the holy spirit because god promised it to each and every generation that he would call and then as he expands the church beyond the realm of one ethnicity or even beyond one ethnicity within multiple cultural groups when we get to acts chapter 10 we see that yet again the pattern is continued that the people that were listening to the message that they were filled with the holy spirit with the same evidence of speaking in another language as the spirit gave them the ability to speak and that peter himself asked those who were with him the question can anybody forbid that these should not be baptized who have received the holy spirit just as we have so we see that peter himself that he required based on what jesus taught that he required that people would be born of water and spirit so my question to you is have you been born again according to how jesus taught and how peter expected people and commanded people to be born again or at least go through the process of it and then i ask what are your questions your comments and concerns what have you been told about the need to be born again you can connect with me through the social media links you can leave me a comment give me a thumbs up if you like this video and you can share it go back and review it and if you have any specific questions about the specifics of water and spirit go ahead let me know and i will get to those videos sooner than i will uh, i plan to but until the next one may god bless you watch over you protect you and keep you in jesus name